All right. There are two handouts for tonight, so whether you're here or you're watching online, um, there are two handouts made available. The first one we're going to look at is Bible study, and then we're going to look at prayer. Uh, if we had a little bit more time, a few more weeks to go through this, I might have separated and spent a little bit more on this, but I, I do have a few other lessons that I want to cover that's part of this study. Again, we'll be using this, this book called God's Game Plan. If you would like to look for that online and uh, grab a copy of that, there are several other chapters that we are not going to cover that are in that book. It would be a good resource for you. It's a good overview, especially um, if you're studying with someone, too, that is just learning uh, about how to be a disciple of Christ uh, or maybe how to study the Bible, how to pray. These lessons will be very uh, effective for them. But uh, tonight we're going to begin with Bible study. The first few fill-in-the-blanks there. Commitment to Christ provides the foundation for growth. Commitment to Christ provides the foundation for growth. Commitment to the body of Christ provides support for future growth. The second with commitment to the body of Christ provides support for future growth. And then commitment to the word of Christ provides you with direction for growth. Commitment to the Word of Christ provides you with direction for growth. A, a personal daily Bible study is really where the forward progress is going to begin in your walk with Christ. Coming here on Sunday, on Wednesday, Sunday night, maybe uh, on our Friday night uh, groups that we do, we, we offer several opportunities to come, to learn, to study. But if that's all that you did, it's really not going to be a whole lot of personal forward progress. Um, if, if you've spent considerable time on your own daily studying the Bible, really getting into some, some deeper knowledge, um, you, you understand that concept. Uh, there, then, and you can, all you have to do is look around at uh, many who are in the church for decades in decades. But if you were to ask them, list the books of the Bible, would they do it, be able to do it? How many good kings were there in, in Israel? You know, so just, just a couple of little things. I mean, those are the surface type questions that many probably could not answer that have been in the church of some sort or in a church of some sort for much of their life. If you are feeling spiritually stagnant, what is the answer to your problem? What's the answer? Get involved. Get into the Word. Yeah. Yeah, get into the Word of God. Spend more time in God's Word. And why? Why is it so important to have a daily, dedicated, personal study time? His will. By hearing yeah, if you want to increase your faith, you want to increase your, your hope, uh, and you're not in the Word because faith comes by hearing, it's going to be very difficult to just go off of a couple of short times 
during the week to, to increase your faith and to really uh, gain some deep knowledge of the Scripture. The clock is ticking. There's, there's only so much time that we have in our lives. Time runs out. And we were just talking about that this week in the office. So time marches on. There's nothing we can do to stop it. And there's only so much time during the day. So do not waste another minute on things that really don't matter, that have no, no eternal significance. A sure way to grow and mature is going to be to study the, the Word of God daily. And the more um, useful that you will be in God's service as well. So what are four good reasons for why you should want to study the Bible every single day? Four good reasons. We're going to take a look at these passages. Uh, someone uh, look up Colossians 3.16. Okay. John 17.17. 17. All right. 2 Timothy 3.15. All right. Okay. And 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. Okay. Brian. All right. While you're looking those up. Understanding Christ's teaching is absolutely fundamental to gaining spiritual ground, yet many Christians never develop the daily discipline of Bible study. In the meantime, many wonder, why isn't my life working well? They can't figure out why they feel spiritually stagnant. They can't figure out why, why am I not getting anything out of being a member of the Lord's church. The answer is not complicated. Simply spend more time. In God's Word. And the, this obvious answer gets overlooked. It seems simple, but consequently people search for more complex solutions to their problems. And in the meantime, the clock keeps ticking. The sooner that you return to a pathway of spiritual growth, of being in the Bible every day, the sooner you're going to increase your faith and the more effective you will be. Just ask yourself, how, how many things do I know I ought to do on a daily basis, but I neglect them? What are some of the things that you know you ought to do on a daily basis, but you find yourself over and over neglecting those things? Dishes. Laundry. Okay, laundry. laundry. Dishes, housework, yard work, working out. <laughs> Right? What else? Things you know you ought to do. But there's only so much time. And you, you have to prioritize, or we do prioritize, what we want to spend our time on. We choose that limited block of time that we have every day. We choose what we decide to spend time on. So what are some other things? Spending time with people. Like, you only have so much of yeah. yourself to go around. Yeah, you only have so much time to build relationships, to get into a deeper, closer relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with, with good friends, maybe with people that you need to share the gospel with. It's vital to appreciate why this commitment matters in the first place. And there's these four reasons we're going to look at. Colossians 3.16, what does that say? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. 
Okay, so what's the reason here? Why should you study your Bible? Well, it helps you teach and admonish one another. Um, yeah. That word admonish, does that mean encourage? What's that? It, admonishment, yeah, it's a, it's a discipline term. If you were going to admonish your child, it, that's not giving them a beating. It's an explanation for why something is wrong, why, they're, why, it's, why it's wrong, what they did. Um, so if we want to be able to accurately admonish one another, what are we going to have to know? Yeah, Scripture. Because what, what good is it going to be to go to someone from a spiritual perspective and, and admonish them, but just give them our opinion? Where is that in the Bible? Where can we turn to? Do we know where to turn to? And the studies commanded by God here to be able to do those things. John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Okay. A lot of lies in the world today. The world's confused because of so many lies. If we want to be able to overcome those lies, if we want to know what the truth is, the Bible is going to be the reliable and completely true source. To be able to defend the truth and to uh, combat the lies that are in the world. If we want to be able to do that, we have to know the Bible. 2 Timothy 3.15 From infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Okay, so what is this one? What's the reason here? Yes. Yeah, if you want to gain real wisdom, it's going to be found in the, in the Word of God. Scripture has saving power. If we want to be able to communicate that, that saving power to others, we have to know the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 is following here. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly Several reasons in that passage, isn't it? What are some of them again? It's useful for... Okay. If we want to be able to, get to, to combat the, the lies of the world, and we want to be able to show that, that we know the Word of God, we're going to have to study it. And these are commands here. Be, be able to show yourself approved. It's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for training in righteousness. And then the last one, but to be thoroughly equip us for being complete in Christ. Yeah. It says it's God breathed. Yes. It's almost like yeah. when you're reading it, he's, he's the one talking to you. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's an interesting reference um, because it, that's a, uh, the word there that's used is the word for spirit. And. Um, so the Spirit of God is the one who inspired the writers of the Bible. And whenever we think about reading the Word of God, it is almost like He's, he's the one speaking directly to us because these are His words. Yeah. 
um, in John, it said that Jesus is the Word. And I just yeah. thought of this right now, that mm -hmm. when you spend time with the Word, you're actually spending time with Him. He is the Word. Yeah, yeah, ex yeah exactly. So He's the Word I of life. I forgot about that, actually, that mm -hmm. God is the Word. And that's why we need to go to this written text. Because yeah, yeah. John chapter 1 definitely talks about Christ being the Word. He's, he's, he is the living Word of God. His words are the Word of God. Number four, daily Bible study will not rid your life of all problems, but what will it do? Help you cope. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to give the answers to life's problems. God never promised us that all of our problems are going to go away simply by becoming a Christian. Let's look at Matthew 7, verse 24. Matthew 7, 24. Someone read that for us? Okay, good. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Okay, so we all know this parable. We sing the little song with the kids. Yeah. And what, what's, the, what's the purpose or what's the final point of this parable? So when you get faced with all the issues and trials of life and Satan throws at you, you're immovable. And yeah. You, and it's, you know, the rock is not going to move. Exactly. Yeah, and we understand from Scripture that, that Christ is that rock, that foundation. No other foundation has been built except that which has been built on Jesus Christ. The church is, is referred to as living stones. So as, as we are individually being built on that foundation of, of Christ, uh, we end up uh, becoming a, a beautiful and wonderful building uh, in Christ. And we, be, we are able to stand on that sure foundation only because we know the Word of God. We've, we've used that Word of God as a, a solid foundation. It's going to provide you with the, the answers, the perspective needed to handle whatever comes your way. And that's what the world doesn't have. The world does not have the hope. The world does not have the joy. The world does not have the perseverance, the, the discipline, the, the godly fortitude to stay in it, to not see life as a hopeless event or to ever get to that point in life because you understand that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And no matter what goes on in this world, you got a better future waiting for you in heaven. Amen. And the only way that that's going to become more real and, and more solidified in our minds is if we're spending time in the Word. Every little thing that comes along in life shouldn't knock us off that fountain. It shouldn't, it shouldn't just devastate us. Lose your job. Yeah, that's horrible. But we have a better hope. Lose a family member. Yeah, it's horrible. But we have a better hope. The worst things that you could ever imagine, we can get through them if we know the Word of God. And we're in the Word constantly, reading about His promises, reading about the good things that God has done for us, knowing that He is the giver of all good gifts. Daily study is not going to rid our lives of problems, but it will provide the tools and the perspective that we need. 
Be certain of this. You will never grow until you make a commitment to develop this discipline. You're never going to truly grow as a Christian until you make a commitment to have regular personal Bible study. It's just not going to happen. It's, it's going to be very, very difficult to just come and sit in what we offer here as far as classes. A person cannot live the Christian life apart from an intimate knowledge of Jesus' teachings. Because remember, just a quick review of how, what, what was the commitment of Christ's disciples, of the, of the twelve. What was their commitment level? It was day. It was daily. Yeah, eventually, yeah. But but yes, it was a daily commitment. They were right there studying, wanting to know every single thing that he did, watching everything that he did, eating with him, praying with him, constantly with him. And where were they when things got tough? At first, they did. Yeah. So they were with him for years. And when things got tough, don't think that we're any any stronger. It needs to be a daily discipline for us. If we want to have that kind of, of hope, that, that kind of joy that they experienced. All the good stuff you desire and, and that God wants you to enjoy lie on the other side of this habit. What is it that you long for in life? What are the, some of the things that you long for in life? Fulfillment. Okay, personal fulfillment. Better character. Maybe greater influence in people's lives, being more useful, maybe an increased peace. And of those things are going to happen if, if, we, if you don't have a daily discipline of study in God's Word. And it's con- that is actually contrary to uh, what the focus is of a lot of preaching today. When you turn on the TV and, and, and if you were to to watch or listen to the TV or radio evangelists, what are they preaching? The love of Christ. Give your money. Yeah, yeah. Give your money, and you're going to get more. Yeah, live. live you're going to be prosperous, right? But those really aren't the things that that we should long for in life. God's promises. God promises all of these things and more. And when you read Matthew 6.33, that's what he says. He's going to provide your material needs when you seek him first, when you make a, a point to make him first. So when should you study? Question five. When should you study? Let's uh, read a couple of passages. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. Ephesians 5, 15 through, and then Colossians 4, 5. If someone could read that. Okay. All right, let's read Ephesians first. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. All right. Um, does anyone have King James Version or New King James? Okay. 
What's it say? See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. There we go. Okay. I just like that word. <laughs> circumspectly. <laughs> it, makes, it, just, it makes you think, you know, it really, it, that's the idea of really thinking about something, really delving into the content, really uh, getting, getting the most out of it as you possibly can. And then he uses that phrase, the King James and New King James uses that phrase, um, redeeming the time. If we go back to what we talked about at the beginning, there's only so much time that you have in life. So what does it mean to redeem that time? Yeah. Yeah. Be mindful of your time. Make the time. Okay. What does the word redeem mean? To buy back. Okay. So here it's the it's the idea of you're you're grasping. You're you're making a point to grab that time, to take it back, for the right purpose, for the godly purpose. There's always going to be pressure to spend your time in other ways. But if something has to go in life, the study of God's Word should be the last thing to go. It needs to be the first on our list. We can find time to read one chapter a day. I like to actually, um, somebody said, if you read one chapter a day, you can finish the New Testament in a year. Easily. But I, I'd like to challenge you, just read a few verses a day. And then spend the rest of that time really studying those verses. Look into the, the background. Look into the context of the passage. Look into, go do a word study of what the words that are in there. Why is he writing it to? Who is it being written to? What's the time frame of, of the writing? Really delve into the specifics about the passage. Could you trade 10 minutes of sleep to spend time with God? Is there part of your morning routine that you could sacrifice for the cause of Christ? Would it ruin your career if you refused to start that project for your manager until you spent a few times with your maker? Sooner is better than later to redeem the time. So when should you study? Colossians 4, 5. What's that say? Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Okay, so here's the idea again of making the most of your time. Uh, so in our conversations with those who are not Christians, utilize that time wisely. Make the most of those opportunities. Know the Word of God well enough so that when you have, when you have the conversation with them, it becomes a gospel conversation and not just a conversation. Because you understand how to take that, that conversation and be able to talk about Scripture plainly, intelligently, and confidently. Make the most of each opportunity. So when should you study? Uh, these, you could fill in this section with a bunch of different answers. But some possible ways to make the time. Ten minutes less of sleep. But I'd like to challenge do it at the beginning of the day. Don't wait till you're tired at the end of the day. Uh, make it part of your morning routine. Instead of a TV show or a movie. Before a meal, 
with a friend or with your family. Feed the soul first and then feed the body. Open God's Word before you open the mail. Open God's Word before you look at your phone in the morning. Where should you study? Where are some possible places that you can study? Well, wherever it's going to work. Carry it with you in the briefcase. Leave it in your car. Leave a Bible on your kitchen table. Leave it out where you can see it, and it's there to open with ease. Place a Bible by the bedside where it's going to trigger your memory before you, you lay down at night. Get an app on your Bible. Set reminders on your phone. Put it on the calendar. How many things you put on a calendar every day? Is Bible study on your calendar? Is there, do you set a reminder for that? And you set a reminder for other things. Select a special place in the optimal frame of mind for communicating with God. Whatever it takes. Let's look at this parable in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We're going to read verses 1 through 9. Somebody could read that for us. Okay, and then uh, someone else read verses 18 through 23. Okay. okay. On the Go same ahead. day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they uh, did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth, depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. All right. So why, which parable here is a reference to explaining why building good habits is so difficult? What does he use as an illustration? Yeah, the seed and the different kinds of soil. This is called, we refer to this as the parable of the sower. But why is it so difficult to build good habits according to this parable? What happens? Which seed describes why it's difficult to develop good habits? 
then they don't take root. They don't There's the one that fell among the thorns. thorns. The seed that falls among the thorns, it grows a little bit. And this is the, the life of many who become followers of Christ. They start out well. The seed takes root. It germinates. Starts to grow into a healthy little plant. But then what happens? Slowly the cares of the world, the difficulties of life, the things that trouble the mind start to crowd out and creep in. And eventually what happens to that nice little plant that started out well? Yeah, it's choked out. And it dies. Let's read 18 through 23. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word, understands it. He produces crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So the seed that fell on the, the thorny ground is the one where the, all of life's problems, the, the activities, the commitments of life crowded out. And those things don't, they don't serve our highest and best interest. But we give them too much of our time too often. When in reality what we should be giving more time is study in God's Word. Because, did you notice, what does it take to produce a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown? Good, ground. Good soil. You have to hear the Word. But it's got to go further than simply hearing it. The one who hears it and understands it is the one who's able to produce the harvest. At some point, something has to give. At some point, this personal, intimate study of God's Word on a daily basis has to become part of our life if we're going to make significant forward progress. If you currently do not have a daily commitment to Bible study, use the space at the bottom of this sheet to decide right now a time and place where you can study every day because your life physically and spiritually depends on it with that we're going to look at prayer if you would turn to the other sheet what is one of the greatest mysteries in the life of most Christians few people understand the power of prayer prayer is probably the most underestimated part of the Christian life. 
and probably the thing that we don't spend enough time on. It's the difference between what you can do on your own and what you, can, what you are capable of with God's help. It's the difference between a day when you are focused and fervent and a day when you're frantic and fatigued. The amount of information the Bible contains on the subject of prayer is amazing. And the sheer volume of prayers and the subject of prayer in the Scripture should reveal its importance to us. And in God's Word, we're going to find a variety of incentives to practice this daily principle, this daily discipline. Below are a list of incentives to practice the daily discipline of prayer. We're going to fill in these blanks in number two and look at these scriptures. First one is commands to engage in prayer. Someone look at 1 Thessalonians 5.17 for us. Look up 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Okay. Second one is accounts to encourage prayer. And that's going to come from Luke 18.1 through 8. Okay. The third one is an example of effective prayer. James 5, 17 and 18. Okay. And the last one is promises of the benefit of prayer. Promises of the benefit of prayer. Proverbs 15, 29. Someone else? Read. Okay, back in the back. All right. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, the command to engage in prayer. What's that one say? Pray without ceasing. All right. Pretty short. Effective. Can we literally walk through the day, all day, praying? Is that all we can think about? No. But what's his point? Do it, Do it as much as you possibly can. Because he understood. Paul understood the importance of an active prayer life. Luke 8. To God too. I think yeah. we let the enemy in our own agendas distract us. I think it's pride. Yeah, that absolutely. Let, yeah. Let things, I know for we, myself, I let things distract mm-hmm. When I first saved, I was talking to God all day long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We allow things to come in and, and keep us. Yeah, it's part of that taking back the time. You know, really, really managing that time well. And, it, and we don't do that as much today, uh, maybe because it's not part of our religious culture, um, obviously, but. Uh, in the ancient world, in Old Testament times, we see people taking specific times out of the day. And even in the, in the book of Acts, we see that they were still doing that. They would go to the temple during the time of prayer, during the hour of prayer, it would say, uh, because they knew all the people were going to be there. There's going to be a crowd there, and they were going to be able to teach and to, to preach to them. But at least several times a day, they would pick out specific times where they would pray morning, noon, and night. That's the least we could do. Pray when you get up. Pray in the middle of the day. Pray before you go to bed. Thank God for the day. Accounts to encourage prayer, Luke 18 through 18, 1 through 8. Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, 
Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, he will find faith on the earth. Or will he find faith on the earth? Okay, so what's the point of this parable? What's the point? Yeah. It's like contrasting God to an unjust judge because he's just. Yeah. Yeah. Is it going to bother God if we come to him at the middle of the night? No. It bothered this judge because he's man. It's not going to bother God. Is it going to bother God if we if we keep coming to him over and over and over about the same thing? No. It bothered this man because he was a man. But a benevolent father, heavenly father, it's not going to bother him. Is God worried whether we're going to attack him or not? <laughs> no. He, he does not care. He wants us. He welcomes us to come to him day and night. And he's not going to keep, he's not going to put us off like a person would. He's going to willingly listen to us. So there, here's an account that encourages prayer. Any time of the day, any time we have a need, God wants to know about it. He wants to hear it. James 5, 17 and 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. All right, so can you pray like Elijah? Is God, this is a New Testament command to pray. Elijah prayed, and it didn't rain for how many years? Three years. And then he prayed again, and what did it do? It did rain. Here James is equating Elijah's prayer life and the power of Elijah's prayer with what our prayer life can and should be like and the power behind praying to God. Want to see awesome things happen spiritually in your own life? You want to see great and awesome things happen in the church? Have a daily, powerful prayer time. And God's going, God will answer prayer. If it's within His will, He will answer it. Promises of the benefit of prayer, Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked. But he hears the prayer of the righteous. All right. God's far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. The first important principle of prayer is that it is to be offered to God. To be offered to God. When you pray that the Lord's will be done, you are communicating first a humble admission that God knows what is best and is committed to what is best for us or for you. Secondly, it's a sign of maturity, but the real challenge is to mean it. Thirdly, that you trust God so much that you ask Him 
to overrule your misguided appeals so that the door may be open to new and better possibilities. To overrule your misguided appeals so that the door may be open to new and better possibilities. Yeah? Can you do A again? A is a humble admission. A humble admission that God knows what is best. How how do many view prayer? The prayer is just a request. Okay. How how else do people think about prayer? What's that? Some might think it's a waste of time. Yeah. Out of obligation. Okay. A wish. A wish list. Conversation. Okay. Yeah, that's getting to the heart of it. Prayer is more of a should be thought of more as a conversation. Because does does God know everything? Yeah. Does He need to hear our request? Does He know what we need? Yeah. Does He know the struggles that we're going through? Absolutely. But prayer should be thought of more as a conversation with God. He wants to hear from us. He wants us to hear. He wants us to glorify Him, to glorify His name. He wants to know about our intimate concerns that we have on a daily basis. He wants us to really mean it and to realize that He knows what's best for us because we're limited in our knowledge and limited in our ability. He's not. Prayer should be offered through the Son. Should be offered to God through the Son. And what do the following scriptures reveal about how we are to pray? Colossians 3:17. Somebody may have that memorized. Colossians 3:17. Okay, back there. And then Hebrews 10:22. Someone else. Okay. Colossians 3.17 And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God for the Father, God the Father through Him. Okay, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, give thanks to God the Father through Christ the Son. Hebrews 10.22 Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Okay, so how, how are we supposed to pray according to that passage? With a sincere heart and with a... What's the second part of it? With a full assurance of faith. And when we draw near to God, because that's really what we're doing when we're praying, we're... When we pray to God, it's a direct access to the throne room of God. And how, how is that different than what type of access they had in Old Testament times? What did they have, what did they have to go to to enter the presence? Yeah, the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest had that option. Okay, he had to be a priest, but then he had to be the high priest. 
Yes, and then it's only once a year he's able to go in to this inner part of the temple. We have that availability on a, regular, on a daily basis. We can enter the throne room of God immediately with our prayer. And he says to, to come to him, draw near to him with a sincere heart, with a full assurance of faith. That goes back to our Bible study, doesn't it? Because how are we going to build our faith? How are we going to have it, make our faith sure? Read the Word. Read the Word. Hear the Word. Do not doubt God's will or His ability to answer your prayer. If you're going to pray to God, don't doubt that it's going to happen. The acronym ACTS is often used as a, a model for prayer. And uh, we, we've used this. I'm sure many of you have had, uh, written this down before. But it's a good model to go by. And we're going to list the corresponding word to each letter of ACTS. The first one is adoration. Adoration. Remember who is listening when we pray. And this sometimes uh, we may be tempted to, to lose this when we're praying publicly. Um, but we never want to pray for the other individuals in the room. Because really, who, are, who is the prayer directed to? It's God. And we need to give him the proper adoration. What's it mean to give God adoration? Praise. Praise. Worship him. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge his power, his sovereignty. That's always a great way to start prayer. That's the way Jesus started the, the model prayer. Remember what he said? How does he start that? Hallowed be thy name. Yeah, holy is your name, or glorify your name, Lord, be another way to say it. The second one is confession. Remember who's talking. Can somebody turn to Isaiah 6, 5, and then someone Luke 5, verse 8. Isaiah 6, 5, okay, and then Luke 5, verse 8. Okay, go back. That's fine. We have time. <laughs> Isaiah 6 5. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Okay, here's a, a cry, a confession. He remembers who, who's, who's talking. We need to remember who we are when we approach the throne room of God. What does the other one say? Luke 5, 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Yeah. A good reminder for us. We're sinful. 
when we approach the almighty, holy creator of the universe, we need to remind ourselves of our place in his presence. The next one is thanksgiving. Remember how blessed you are. Philippians 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm starting at verse 4. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So when we pray, when we ask God for something, when we come to Him, we petition Him, we need to always remember to do it with thanks. The last one is supplication. And then that, that word just means to ask. Ask God to supply. Remember how needy you are. And God cares about all that you are dealing with, all that you need. Then we're going to read two final scriptures. Two scriptures to help, us, help remind us that we probably do not pray enough. Nor do we ask enough. And one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, Ephesians 3, verse 20. Someone read that for us. Ephesians 3, 20. And then James 4, verse 3. We'll end with that one. Okay. Ephesians 3, verse 20. This is a great promise in prayer. If you ever have doubt, if you ever wonder, is God able to fix this situation? Is God able to, to work this out for good somehow? How am I going to see the joy in this? How am I going to get through this difficulty? What does that passage say? All you have to do is that God, you know how to fix this situation. You know immeasurably more, infinitely more than I do. Okay, we, we are tempted to try to fix our own problems, aren't we? We want to try to do it on our own. But we have, through the power of prayer, we have the great promise that the one who's do, able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or even imagine, is the one behind that power that comes from prayer. We need to always remember God's able to do much, much more than we could ever even ask. So when we, when we don't know what to ask, we're told the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the one who's at work within us, mentions it in that passage, intercedes on our behalf. All we have to do is say, God, you know how to deal with this. I have no idea how this is going to work out. But I know you do, and I know you have the power to make it into something more wonderful and greater than I could ever even imagine. And I don't really even know what to ask for, but I trust that you're going to do it. Take the time to pray that prayer. 
Don't discount the power of prayer. James 4.3 When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Yeah. So when we do ask, we ask oftentimes with the wrong kind of motive. Maybe we ask for selfish motives. Maybe it's for material things that we're lacking. James says, remember. Remember how you're asking. Remember who you're asking. And ask with the right and sincere heart. There's questions there for self-reflection. How do you think your life would change if you prayed more? What are some ways you can improve your prayer life? And how do you think you would feel if you spent more time in prayer? Things would be a lot, a lot more confident, wouldn't they? The more time we spend in prayer, the more time we spend in God's Word, we're going to make forward progress. It's not going to be in vain. Rather than, than grumbling, the thoughtful petitioner returns to the Father in gratitude for His perfect will. It takes time and real maturity to acknowledge that God's timing and His solutions are superior to our own. Make no mistake, when a prayer request is holy and healthy, God is more than happy to answer that prayer within His will. When your will aligns with His will, the floodgates of heaven open and the cups start running over. Let's end in prayer. Heavenly Father and gracious Lord, you are an awesome and mighty God. We pray, Father, that what we did here this evening and the time we took in study brought glory to your name. We thank you, Father, for always loving us. Even though we fall short of your will, we are pitiful, wretched at times, sinners, Father. We know that we fall short of the way you would want us to live. We uh, confess those things today. We pray, Father, that uh, we would be thankful in all situations, regardless of the, the difficulty of life, that may we look to the example, ultimately, of your Son and what he was willing to go through, even death on a cross. Be obedient to your will. And he still had joy. May we be able to have that same kind of thanksgiving and joy in our own lives. We thank you for all the good things that you provide, the blessings that you give to us. And we pray as, the, as we leave here that we would commit to studying your word, praying to you on, on a regular basis, and that we see the importance of that daily. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.